Hi, welcome to season five. This is episode three of what we're calling the um, open mic. And what that means is that we all have questions for each other, but we've written them down, but not shared them. So, you know, you'll hear them with us firsthand. And um, uh, every time we, we make it something about strategic marketing. And what's unusual about this season is that we are also doing it video. So you can find it on SoundCloud and on YouTube. Um, so I'm Maria Bazia, um, and I have Tom Spitali, Sean Wellen, and we have a new member of our cast, Rascal. <laughs> we'll see how it goes with Rascal today, if Rascal has any brilliant insights. You'll probably have better <laughs> ones than I will. That's usually the rule. <laughs> um, so we're going to start off, uh, Tom, I think you are uh, going to give us a hard question. I will give us a hard question. This one's for Rascal to respond to first. So the, the topic is segmentation, big concept that we teach in our strategic marketing courses and a really, really powerful one. The question is this, when segmenting and thinking about segmentation as a strategic marketer, should your focus be on segmenting individual stakeholders? In other words, trying to determine how different individual stakeholders are different in their needs, or should the focus be laddered up a bit to be focused on the different companies that are in your market and segmenting how they are different from each other. And let's say you can only do one. You can't do both. You don't have the time. You've got to make a choice. Which one should you choose? Sean, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. I guess it's a contextual question to some extent, because if you're in the consumer market, obviously you want to segment your customers as individual consumers. But for the majority of our customers the b2b technical scientific your 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 entity if you like is, is usually a a large uh, corporation or, or entity such as a hospital or something along those lines so i guess in that context i see it having said that that, it, that we're now looking at a company as 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 important to segment the the persona of the business because most people in senior positions within that business will by definition adopt that personality. If you work for a, a risk adverse finance driven business, it's probably gonna reflect in your individual uh, personality uh, and values because that's how you've got on in the business. But I would add this as a, as a caveat that there's almost, when you go to a really large account and you're practicing that sort of um, the key account management or account-based marketing, then you can start to look at, you know, who's that person in finance that we need to get on board? Who are the people in operations? Who are the, who are the, um, the legal folks? And you can start to then look at them once again as individuals as you build up a, a, a profile of key stakeholders. So I guess I've answered that question in the most ambiguous way possible by saying, one, it's contextual, and two, it depends, and three, it's everything and, and all of the above. So I better hand over to Mary for some clarity on this one. All, Boy, all uh, I, if I said I agree with you, I'm not sure what I would be agreeing to. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, I covered um, all the bases anyway, if that's, if that's, if that's any value. So, uh, but you did lay out um, a lot of things that you should consider, I think, uh, quite well when you're doing segmentation. I, I think um, for me, when you do segment, the reason you do it isn't a segment necessarily, it's to make sure that you can differentiate and figure out ways to address your customers in, in better different ways in your competition and hopefully be able to even 
you know, add value and charge more. So, um, so I, I think that if you're early in the process and you really don't know what your differential advantage is, it's better to do it at an individual level. You know, if you're selling medical devices and a surgeon is a key um, decision maker, you've got to figure it out with some of those, you know, people and maybe going a little bit deeper, Sean, as you said, the persona, getting deeper to begin with to, to, to crack that nut and figure out what it is that you're really offering. Um, and then, so that might be earlier in the life stage. And then as you're getting ready to launch or a little bit later in your process, you can't launch without thinking about the other people in the business, like the purchasing and, and supply. So in that case, uh, you, if you're further in that life cycle, then you might want to do the company and get a broader view of, of that whole entity you're trying to sell to. So that's, I think now you have about 10 answers to your question, Sean, Tom. <laughs> yeah, so, so Tom needs to give us the definitive now after all, the, all that input, Tom. Yeah, I would never ask a question without having an answer, okay. at least in my own mind, right? I'm actually going to go the opposite of Mary and disagree with Mary a little bit. I, I, I think that you start with um, segmenting the company. And here's a couple of reasons why. First of all, let's think about it. You, you know, largely when we're working with a company and they're trying to put in a, 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 a marketing process, a system, you start, you're working in the different, you know, product teams are working on their different products. And what ends up happening is, is a lot of them kind of default to the individual segment, segmenting their key stakeholders. And, um, you know, because that's, that's a little bit easier, I think. And, and then we step back from it. And as the, you know, they're, they're oftentimes all sharing a sales force. So then they go to the sales force and they say, well, here's my segmentation of this stakeholder. And the other product team says, here's my segmentation of this stakeholder. And another product team says, here's my segmentation of this stakeholder. And here's what you should do. And the sales force head blows up. <laughs> and so I think what, what I think is the, the proper way is the, the other way around is that, you know, what everybody should be thinking of first is the companies in their market and how those companies uh, are, are, are different in, in, because the individuals in the, in their client companies have to, and I think Sean, you alluded to this a little bit, they have to be an act in a consistent manner of, of the culture of the company. So I think if you can segment companies first and actually even ideally sort of settle with the other product teams on a overarching segmentation of the companies that, you know, the markets that you all share, now the sales force has one segmentation to, to, to deal with. And at the company level, at the critical capabilities level, you're making products and services that are differentiated for each of the organ types, different types of organizations that, that uh, are reflected in your, your segmentation approach. And you let really, I think, the sales force maybe do the hard work of differentiating the personalities and the needs of the individuals inside that company. Marketing can help with that. Personas can be created for that. But to me, you start, you start with the cor at the corporate level. And would, you see that, with them. would you see that as being di different? One thing I've, I've struggled with a little bit is I know there's this idea that it, it, we all understand that it, an individual person is, is an entity, right? And we can look at them in, in relation to ourselves and, and, and we can relate to what they think about this or what they believe, what they value and, and so on. Companies be harder, wouldn't it, to actually find those dimensions? Do you think they can you segment com, corp, companies and corporations as as people, or you know give them a, give them a persona, or do you think there's different yeah. dimensions involved? 
I, I think I think actually um, it's a little bit easier because the variability amongst companies and how they operate is maybe not as wide as an individual personality. So, you know, I always default to what's this company's, you know, distinct culture? How do they make money? If they're Walmart, they'd make money by being operationally efficient. Um, you know, certain companies uh, make money by being latest, greatest and innovative and always having the, the, the newest stuff. Others, their culture is really one of cementing tight bonds, customer loyalty bonds. So there's like three, three um, you know, different ways perhaps that you could, you could segment companies. But I think companies have a persona or a culture. And when you ask yourself, how do they make their money? And how is that, you know, what, what kind of what kind of operation are we talking about here? I think you can get some really great, great clues. What do you think, Mary? Yeah, well, I think I like that. And I think um, how they make decisions is is often quite a key and how they view technology. So there are, you yeah. know, a short list of key questions that when you start to really think about it and all you have to do is either read their annual report or um, this, sometimes their website gives their culture and some of their, their beliefs away as well. So, um, so yeah, I think that we pretty much hit all the corners of your question, Tom. <laughs> my favorite, one of my favorite questions is segmentation because it's the keys that unlock a lot of kingdoms. So um, my hard question is actually related, uh, ironically, um, in this time of, of the pandemic and our world is all changing, the value propositions are also changing. And we're working with clients that are asking, what should I do with my pricing? Because, you know, I'm delivering in different ways. For some of the pharma companies, their salespeople can't even go out and call on their regular customers. So, so everything about the sales process and even some of the value proposition has changed. So how should companies think about pricing, value-based pricing? Um, Sean, do you want to go first? Sure. Uh, it's, it's another broad topic, isn't it? Because when you look at pricing in a, in a pandemic or a, a, um, any, any sort of emergency, you know, whether it's a hurricane or whether it's a, uh, a power outage statewide or something, the, the, there's one aspect of pricing, which is gouging, which is thinking people want what I'm selling so I can put the price up. So the first thing I think of is, is you've got to maintain some sort of ethical boundaries in your pricing. If you happen to be the supplier of something, you, you need to recognize that in a situation like this, people will have long memories and short-term gains will, will cause long-term damage, I would think. But in the more, in the sort of the, 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 the vast middle of the distribution of people who look at pricing, I think the, the, the challenge is one of, 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 of recognizing that, that maybe your demand is a lot lower than it was in many businesses. And you face that dilemma of do we price because we've still got this massive overhead? Do we start to lower price in order to stimulate demand to at least cover overhead? Or do you hold firm on your pricing because you truly understand the value that it delivers? And when we're through this at the other end, we all know one of the hardest things you can do is to raise a price that you've lowered. And you create, you, you kick the can down the road a little bit and create a problem for yourself further down. You may stimulate demand, but you may erode margins. Um, I should be a politician because all of my answers are like, well, on one <laughs> hand and on the other hand, and I'm not going to commit to anything. Maybe I think Rascal will take a stand. Rascal, will you, will you give us a definitive? Is the, is the biscuits, is the biscuits involved? I'm, uh, I'm good. I think it's... Uh, <laughs> 
I, I think the see he's nodding his head, so he's agreeing with you, Tom. You think? I, I I think the key is to um if anything, because every business will vary, is is don't just look at the here and now, look over the horizon because things will get back to some kind of normality. It may be different, but it won't be as dramatic as it is now. And pricing is it's like your brand. It evolves and takes on a, a, a stability over time. And you don't want to throw that out uh, or you don't want to make short-term tactical moves on price would be my advice to people. Good. All right. All right. You landed. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, I'll, 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 I'll take a stand here. Okay. It, it's, it's somewhere in between Sean's parameters. <laughs> I think everything's in between my parameters, Tom. Yeah, I, no, I cast that net pretty wide. Sean's, Sean's doing a good job of kind of looking to me. It's like you're looking at the, at, at the bookends, right? The bookends of the, of, of your strategy. One, one is to, to say demand is, you know, at unprecedented low levels, perhaps in your industry. So you're going to go all the way to, to that. And the other end is to say, I'm not going to do anything uh, because I, yeah, I, I, I agree. The hardest thing to do is to raise your price. And if you're going to, you know, lower your price, you're going to have to get, get that back sometime, I guess it, it, at, at some point. So so it's, it's, it's to, to me, the, the, the answer is in the middle because I, for, for, for most businesses, I think what they're, what they're establishing is um, in, in some ways, um, you know, some type of digi digitization or some really efficient way of doing business right now, you know. It's, it's, it's it, the, the, the environment re requires it. And I think so what, what's, what you need to do is you need to, as a business, recommend, um, recognize, I should say, the efficiencies that that brings to your business, right? So holding, holding fast on the one end that says, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna lower my price at all, the value's still there, is probably um, not, paying attention to the fact that maybe your cost is lower. And I'm not saying that's true for a lot for all businesses, but for a lot of businesses, that's true. You're learning how to deliver in a way that's more efficient. And so it's important to kind of recognize that. And I think that somewhat then sort of reacts to the, the lower demand in some industries. And hopefully at the end of the day, what you have done is you've provided, you know, a, 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 some money savings for your clients a more efficient way to do business for yourself. And, and, and hopefully what you'll be able to do is build on that in the future as we get through this. So that's my thought on it. Wow. Okay, good. All right. And, and you know, my thought is, is that tiers are always a good um, approach in, in, you know, stri strategy and in pricing and yeah. even more so perhaps in this environment where you don't lock yourself in by taking that one price up or down, but rather you strip out things and you provide a low end, a very low end. Um, and you can also add in, there's some clients that are really going to need even more help now. And so you, you might have a higher end and hopefully your, your pricing is starting to reflect those, those different options. Um, you know, we, we're working with Caltech and, and they have a very stripped down uh, version of, of what we're working on. And it's just on demand and people do it at their own pace. And there's another one where, you know, everyone's zooming and breaking out and really helping them in this tough time, figure out how to do their strategies. So, so um, having at least two or three tiers, I, I think is a good approach in this mm, environment. Yeah. 
Anyway, well, thank you very much. We hope that you came out with at least one or two ideas that um, will help you think about your business differently or at least confirm things you're already doing well. So thank you for joining us. And looks like Rascal joined us for most of it. Thanks, Rascal. <laughs> See you next time. See ya. <laughs>